0: Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations Leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And father, we do thank you for your word. We ask that you would help us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm with Christmas upon us. I really felt at the end this doxology of Paul would be appropriate sort of to convey some truths about Christmas we read verses 25 through 27 but if you follow through from the beginning to the end and sort of keep track of where the the period is you'll see that there's really only two periods there's all of the words period and then amen period and so it's one very long sentence and trying to figure out what is he saying how do we sort of piece this all together and really if we were to 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 boil this down to what is paul speaking to us we would read now to him the first three words and we would skip down to the last three words be the glory forever that's that's the heart of what paul is to say to him be the glory forever and just thinking about that phrase the, the word that's been coming to my mind is, and maybe it's because I'm a, a, a surfer kid from California, is awesome. Just God is awesome. And all the glory should go to him. But this word awesome, I mean, I use it for In-N-Out burgers because they are awesome. I think of like toys and gadgets that we have. And, and I think that the iPhone's pretty awesome. Now, some of you would say that some other type of phones there. I don't know the other types of phones. Apparently, there's other ones out there, and you guys say they're awesome. But awesome, truly, only God is awesome. Um, Another thing I saw on the TV that I think is pretty awesome, and I'm going to need some help from you. I was like, yeah, I could last minute do some Googling, but it'll just be more fun to figure out who the Trekkies are in here. Or no, no, I'm already messing it up. It's not the Trekkies. It's the Star Wars people. I kind of use Trekkies do i raise hands now at this point like we'll 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 find you out pretty soon enough on the news i saw that google his they're they're branching out and investing in new areas and they bought this company i don't even know the name of the company but they make robotics and so there was this video footage of this robot that i don't even know what how to describe it. Like it's running down the street back and forth, and there's various sizes. The one I was looking at, they called the puppy or the dog or something, and it's kind of running around, it goes backwards, it can go through mud. And I'm like, how are they gonna use this? And they're saying, Oh, they're gonna they already have a contract with the military. I'm like, aha, that's how they could use it. But what it reminded me of is I don't even know what their card You know in Star Wars? um there's that desert scene with those big thing with the big feet and the people that are up there what are those things called are is there a name are all the trekkie people i mean star wars people afraid i'm asking atsd is that what it is i don't know that there's you guys know what i'm talking about those big white things people are up there and they try to disable them by hog tying their feet that's what these things look like and it, and I look at that and I think that is awesome. That is amazing that they can create. This is stuff we used to read about that, that, the create robots that can think and adapt and, and, and do things on their own. It, and in some respects, it is sort of awesome. But to think that, that if we really want to start backing up the awesomeness is what makes this robot awesome. it's, it's, it's that there's been this is where i'm not a computer programmer so i don't represent google or any other you know software company and those that you work for those companies just leave me alone let me this is for the lay the lay people (laughs) i know there's the computer phrase garbage in garbage out and so that means if you put garbage in it's going to be horrible so clearly with these things they put awesome in and awesome came out and and the reason they're able to, to program this is because the human mind is so incredible that it's able to think through this and test and program and to eventually get this robot up and working. But then you think, where did the human mind come from? That we're we're created beings. That God created us. God gave us the ability to, to think and adapt and to, to process. But I still think that the human mind is the most awesome computer that's ever been invented, and I think computer programmers would would admit to that. And to think that the Creator created this intelligent being—well, I'm not pointing to me; uh, I'm the exception to the intelligent beings. There's to to those others, to you all, the intelligent beings. That, it's awesome. We were created, and so anything that we create, we're just sort of piecing together things and stuff that was placed here by the Almighty Creator, which He alone is awesome. And so when we see things in this world that we think, that's awesome, whether it's uh, the Google thing, or the iPhone, the sunset, Uh, uh, the birth of anything like anything i don't care if it's a human or like an animal like babies are just like wow wow and when we have those wow moments this is what it means now to him be the glory forever paul ends his book he's talked about the doctrine man what's who we are he's 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 talked about our position outside of christ and he talks about what christ did for us and it's like at the end he really just man skyrockets and and he introduces us to this god or he points us again to this god to, to, this is what it's all about this is why we exist as a church this is why we as humans exist to bring god glory and to him be the glory and from this statement he unpacks a bunch of things that we sort of have to to pick apart the and now to, to him be the glory now when he says him it's almost like a flow chart so from him what about him who is able to establish you this 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 picture of Maturing us grounding us his his desire to work in us i think it's in the beginning of philippians philippians 1 6 i had it in my notes and i took it out of my notes and now that i'm talking i think it's in my notes but i don't have it memorized so let's we normally have two services there's there's no rush for me right now <laughs> i normally go till noon noon is lunchtime so we got a long time to go that's just joking if you're visiting now look at philippians 1 6 paul writes to this church from prison whom he planted whom he started who he knew these believers who he loved how he starts is for i'm confident of this very thing That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. You can go back to Romans. It's beautiful. He, He recognizes you were no accident. None of us in this room were an accident. You might have been a surprise to your parents like I was. I was told I was an accident my whole life. I was no accident. God knew about me before time even existed. And he created me and you. For a specific purpose that he has something in mind. And he's working on you. I can guarantee you that if you're alive and you're breathing and you're walking. I can assure you that God is not done with you. He has great things in store for you. And he says to him who is able to establish you. According to my gospel now paul's not claiming ownership of the gospel but paul recognized that he was selected by god one of his gifts that he was or his roles that he was selected to do was to basically to help the church the gentile church when we how we do church how we do things how the christian church exists most of the information that we have came from paul and what is the gospel well Christmas time is such an appropriate time for us to sort of back up and say what what is the gospel it was I think it was uh not in my notes obviously Lombardi Vince Lombardi Vince yeah I don't know him well enough to be on a first name basis I just know him as Lombardi (laughs) he's probably dead isn't he I don't know sorry no all, all due respect but he was known for like with his world-class football team or whatever, like at the beginning of seeing boys or men probably, this is a football. Because we get going and we start losing track of what are the basics? What, what is it all about? And Christians, we do this all the time. What is the gospel? And, and, I, and I'm not going to call anybody, but I hope that we all can answer this question clearly and concisely. Because it's simple. It's so simple that we want to make it more complex because it just doesn't make sense in our finite brains. When we operate on economy and checks and balances, it's it just doesn't make sense. But if you'll turn with me to Roman, I mean, first Corinthians chapter 15 in this section, Paul defines and explains the gospel most clearly. As he writes, this church where there were so many problems, they were a mess. And by the time he comes back to chapter 15, he reminds them of the gospel, the, the simplicity of it and what was or is the gospel. And he says in verse one of chapter of first Corinthians, chapter 15. Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received in which you also stand by which also you are saved. If you hold fast, that word could be translated since you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Point one of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. Notice the next phrase, according to the scriptures. If you read one of these case for Christ or the case for Christmas, I'm pretty sure I've only. but You'll see the prophecies from the whole Old Testament. I mean. It can't be coincidental. You you couldn't replicate all of these prophecies that were fulfilled in Christ. And Paul says he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Think about Paul who was writing this. A Pharisee, a Pharisee was killing Christians. Then Christ appears to him on the road to Damascus. Then he's sent away for 14 years to ponder Christ and the Messiah. And I think he had his ha-ha. Uh-huh. That is awesome that I can go back to Genesis and see Christ. I can go through the whole Bible and see Christ. Christ died for our sins, my sins, your sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was D.E.A. dead, dead as a doornail, doornail, doorknob, doorbell. He was dead. <laughs> and he was raised see the resurrection changed everything he was raised on the third day and notice that phrase again he says according to the scriptures that too is all prophecy anybody can die but not very many people that i No, very few people even people who have like the near-death experiences that come back that <laughs> they all die he died he came back and then he wrote he like ascended He is living and active and alive and working today according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas. Then he appeared to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. And Paul says at the time of writing. There are many, many, many people. This was just the men. The women weren't included. So we're going into the thousands of people who saw the risen Christ, who touched him. And he says, if you don't believe my testimony, you can go find them. And there are people who are still living that will that will give their life saying, yes, I saw Jesus risen from the dead. And he says, after he appeared more than 500, verse six, at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of all the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me. The fact that Paul is a Christian, that he believed in Christ as the Messiah. there's, There's no more powerful testimony in my mind. Period. And he says he rose from the dead. Even though I killed Christians, I came to see the truth. And I will go until I die proclaiming that Christ is indeed the Messiah, which he did. Now back to Romans chapter 16. So he says, now to him who is able to establish you, to ground you, to root you, it's all about Jesus. According to my gospel, that Jesus died according to the scriptures for your sins, that he was buried for three days, that he rose again from the grave. It's not by works. It's by belief. It's too simple for us. and the preaching of jesus christ see this is christmas week one of the th- i mean i like i love christmas like it's one of my favorite times of the year i have to break out my closed toed shoes and um I, not even long pants this winter it's nice and it's eighty. we are blessed and uh i love christmas like i i mean this is probably too much information but like I love elvis 's Christmas carols it 's going to be a blue Christmas. I think that means blue skies from my Southern California brain. i i I love the Christmas tree and the Christmas lights and the fo the food. Can I get an amen on the food i 've been eating since Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I have a little bit what more to go, and then we have our new year 's resolutions where we start you know. We're gonna get serious this year. We're gonna get serious. We'll see. But in the midst of the Christmas, as we as we have our Christmas gifts, our Christmas carols, and all of this stuff, one of the things that like it, it, it I don't want to say it bugs me, but it's it, it. As a pastor who enjoys Christmas, it sort of it it, it it worries me when we start using the phrase of. Oh, Christmas is to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And we celebrate his birth. So some of you are like, hey, hey, hey. Well it's, see, because birthday to me I've had a couple of them. And and so when I celebrate my birthday, that sort of celebrates when I was born and, and kind of although I you know our existence is when we were when uh, well you know, nine months prior to that when everything happened. That I, that I came into existence and so for Christmas as we celebrate Christmas and we start celebrating Jesus it's easy to lose track and start to think that we celebrate when Jesus came into being and that's not at all what happened see because Jesus is God he is the creator and sustainer of the universe and I uh, in order to keep our minds, when Paul says, "Who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ?" Who is this Jesus that we celebrate? And so, if you would turn back with me to Genesis one twenty-six, some of this according to prophecy and and what we'll see, and, and Jesus is all through the Old Testament. And if you turn to Genesis 126, when we start we start seeing the creation story unfolding, much of what's happened has been created except humanity. And then in verse 26, God says, "Then God said, "Let us make man in our image according." To our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth. And God made every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created him male and female. He created him. And so there we're told that as humans that we're created in the image of God. We bear his likeness. Genesis 3 happens and that becomes our big problem is that we've been bad image bearers ever since. We still bear the image of God, but we now have sin. We're contaminated. But the one thing I want to point out to you is, did you notice how God spoke of himself? And I don't want to seize my brain, which all of us in our finite brain will seize. God is one. And yet when he speaks of himself, he speaks in the plurality. Let us make God us. Let us. Who's the us? We don't see the Trinity written anywhere in the Bible. But what we do see is places like this where it says, let us, our image, his image. We see other places of where Jesus and the spirit that that they are spoken of only the way you would speak of deity, that Jesus let people refer to him as God. And so as we look through the scriptures, it has they, they there's one. If you'll turn with me over to John 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 Matthew Mark Luke John and in John chapter 1 the first five verses start like this watch the thread of the word word (laughs) we'll see that word becomes flesh and it ultimately word becomes Christ. In the beginning, that beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Don't let that one slip past you. All things came into being through him, through Christ. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Skip with me down to verse 14. Not that I'm skipping over that section, but that that, that section kind of deals with Jesus' cousin John, who is the forerunner. And we pick up in verse 14, and it says, And the word became flesh. Christmas. That's not the Greek word. The Greek word for flesh is not Christmas. But what I'm saying is that the word became flesh, what we as Christians celebrate about christmas is that christ came and put on flesh and dwelt literally tabernacled among us and we saw his glory what was today's passage that the sentence now to him be the glory forever and we saw his glory glory is the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth john testified about him and cried out saying this was he whom i said he will come after me has a higher rank than i for he existed before me now john was six months older than jesus but he says about jesus that he existed before me for of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace for the law was given through moses grace and truth were realized through jesus christ no one has seen god at any time the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father he has explained him word literally exegeted him that when you see christ it's the closest thing you can see to the to the god of the heavens it's the he's the perfect picture if we turn over to colossians chapter one and keep going towards the back of your Bible you'll pass through Romans you'll hit Corinthians Galatians Ephesians Philippians and you'll hit Colossians Now in this story where the de- this story this epistle where the deity of Christ was being challenged by the culture Paul writes this truth in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 we read that he that's Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation for by him, all things were created by Jesus. You go back to Genesis one and you read the story of everything that there was nothingness ex nilo that out of nothing God created. See, we don't create from nothing. We we reform stuff. We don't really ultimately create But God, out of nothing, created, and we're told here that Jesus was there. So, verse 15, where was I? For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's fascinating that the scripture 2000 years ago talks about things being held together. This is like, I mean, I don't know when they discovered gravity or the idea that that basically like things are moving from order to disorder. And if you go to the molecular level that you see that basically things are being pulled apart. And that our life is being held together because stuff is being held together. The scripture says that you're being literally held together because Jesus is power. He says, I hold you together. So whether you live or die, it's because of him. That's awesome. That's awesome. And turn with me over to Philippians. We're going back to the front of the Bible. Is the next book forward. Philippians chapter 2, and verses 5 through 8. And here Paul writes, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied kenosis himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made into the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so the the point of all of this, as you turn back to Romans, when we read now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Christ Jesus. When we think about Jesus and we celebrate his birth, we need to recognize that what we're celebrating is not his birthday but his incarnation and these are two different things see incarnation means that see he existed in eternity past i don't know if you've ever been like me nobody will admit that but before i was a christian and still sometimes even as a christian it's normally like as i'm falling asleep or or i am taking a nap and i start to come awake and my mind starts to Maybe get more philosophical or pondering things. And I start thinking, well, I know I've read history, so I need I know that stuff existed prior to my like first memory. And I start thinking about like old westerns and the Victorian era. And I don't really think about the Victorian era much only because my wife makes me watch, take naps, I should say, through shows. And then you start going back and back and back, and it's like, well, you know that stuff existed back then, but where was I? Where was I? I? I was, I was even a twinkle in my parents' eye at that point. Like I was nothing. But then, if I start going back then and I start start thinking forward, well, I know that a day will come when Gunnar vanishes from this earth. And I'm pretty certain that life will keep going. But then what then? What goes on before? And, and as you step out to eternity, recognizing that you'll die, like I'm just talking in your mind, it can be terrifying. And every funeral that I preach, I believe it's terrifying because we were never created to die. And so when we face death and we face cancer, when we face these things. It just doesn't make sense. Because we were never created. We weren't designed to handle death. And that's why Jesus had to come. So that he would conquer death. So that we wouldn't have to fear death. And he was there in eternity past. Before the heavens and the earth. And anything was created. And he's here now. And he's going to be there in eternity future. And our only hope is in him. And so when we celebrate Christmas. It's that God took on flesh. There's no need for a savior if you don't recognize your position apart from him. First three chapters in Romans paint a very dark picture of our position going into eternity apart from him. But in Christ, everything's different. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Then he continues to say, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret, for long ages past, I've been trying to think about how to handle this. See, because see, Paul's still talking. He goes from now to his essence is now to him be the glory forever. To God be the glory forever. And as he focuses on this God to the glory should be forever, he says he's able to establish you according to the gospel. That It's not by works. It's a it's a gift that comes by his grace through faith. By the preaching of Christ, this this only incarnate being who exists in eternity past will exist in eternity future that he took on flesh for us. According to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past. What is this mystery? Well, now mystery can go a bunch of different directions. You start talking to New Age movement and, and various things and different cults that we hold the keys to the mystery i got it over here now you come and some of them it's fascinating i forget the name of it i don't know really I want to call it out by name but basically the more money you pay in the more mystery is unreal and un- unraveled to you That there's like a secret code that we've uncovered and it's the secret and and you've got to kind of earn your way and that's not the mystery that he's talking about this this I had a friend, or I, ha- I have a friend, a dear friend who I was in the SEAL teams with. He's deployed in the Middle East now. He left about a month ago. And uh, we haven't seen him in a long time. We had his family up for dinner. It was like the weekend before he was to go out. And y- y- we've been friends for a long time. Like, they were at our wedding. And, and, and when you have friends for a long time, your memories of stuff just kind of like all kind of blurs together. And the conversation came up. It was like, now, wait, when do you- how long have you guys been married? And they said their date, and I was like, huh, I'm like, I wasn't at your wedding, was I? I'm like, I, I remember that I knew you before you were married, and then you were married, and we were in the same platoon, and it, it, did I miss your wedding, or is my memory just going? Either one's a totally reality, and the fact that whatever he told me, I would have believed. He would have said, no, oh, no, you were at my wedding. And I've been like, oh. But his answer to me, and it came back to me as soon as he said it, he's like, don't you remember that deployment gunner? We got married in secret before we left because he was a new guy in the platoon and he didn't want to get hazed which doesn't happen in the seal It doesn't happen it's just it's rumors he didn't want to get hazed for having gotten married right before deployment because he knew we would have like had a lot of fun with him and over and over and over again multiple times through the six months and near the end of our deployment we were in australia and rick and rick and i we were we were we we were in the same department. Like, we were both the communicators. He was my new guy. We shared a space together. Um, I knew everything about this guy. And so then we are in Australia, kind of roving the town, and I'm like, hey, man, so, like, where are you and Mickey going? Like, what's, like, you guys going to get married someday, or you have, like, whatever? And he's like, hey, I've been to tell you something. We got married three weeks before we left on deployment. I'm like... You dog. Like, how did you keep this a secret? It's been six months. How in the world did you keep this a secret? He's like, I'm no fool, brother. I don't want to get hazed. And, and he totally like got out of every, you know, like he released it at a time. And see, now this, this is this, the type of mystery that Paul talking about. There was no mystery. Look, he says, look what he says here. He says, which has been kept secret for long ages past. And then he's to say, but now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the eternal God. So when Paul speaks of the gospel, when he speaks of Christ, it was always truth. It was always truth, but our ability to see it and understand it has adjusted over time. God's plan was established back, well, way back when. But the first time we see it is after the fall in Genesis three fifteen. The promise is made, and so Paul is excited about this mystery if you follow his writings which i don't have enough time to go through all of his how he speaks of the mystery in his letters if i do want to look at one if you would go with me to ephesians chapter three and in ephesians paul writes of this mystery extensively We're going to read a few verses here and just just sort of keep your eyes tuned to this word mystery. And how does Paul describe this mystery? He begins in chapter three, verse one. He says, for this reason, I, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation, There was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. Verse four, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit to be specific that the Gentiles our fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. What is the gospel? It's that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried for three days and that he rose according to the scriptures. And Paul says, listen, this, we look back with clarity, we get it. But if we were to to go back in time and place, ourselves in the old testament period we would still be saved through grace by faith remember romans chapter 4 where paul makes the case about abraham it's never been about works but they had this promise of of god says he'll redeem us that the messiah is coming we don't know what it's going to look like but we trust in him who made the promise and so they trusted in Christ. Looking forward, we look back with clarity, and then the things coming, we have no idea. We'll get to heaven. We'll go. Oh, now I understand some of those prophetic things that were coming later on. But in verse seven, he continues, "Of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given to me according to the working of His power. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given." To preach the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light which is the administration of the mystery, which for ages past has been hidden in God, who created all things, so that I, I, I want to stop and or pause, I should say. He's talked about the mystery three times: this mystery of Christ in the gospel. That in the past they didn't necessarily understand what it would look like in full. But but now the mystery has been revealed. And he says so that this is critical for our church. This, this, this why do we exist? This mystery that was once concealed is now revealed. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church which we are a part of at valley baptist church will be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in christ jesus our lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him therefore i ask you not to lose heart now he talks about their current circumstances Don't lose heart. You know, they say Christmas season is like one of the most depressing times for those who suffer with depression. If you take anything from Christ, don't lose heart. Christians get discouraged. We see that in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the Titus touch. That that he was so depressed and so discouraged. And God sent him, Titus, who encouraged him, that we shouldn't lose heart. But that we as a church, we exist to make Christ known. I don't really have time. I'm not going to keep going. But if we were to follow this this mystery about Christ in the church through in Ephesians, you'd come to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32. It's the passage that they they do. We're not going to go there. You can go back to Romans. I hear pages turning. (laughs) You guys are trained well there. So we're going to go back to Romans chapter 16. But but at the end, he starts talking about marriage and how like now that you're a Christian, what does it look like in your workplace, in your marriage, between your relationships with friends and children and your parents? And he gets to the beautiful passage of husbands and wives and the intimacy of this relationship. And at the end of this, he says, my whole point is not even to talk about marriage. It's that marriage, the intimacy and love and beauty that's found within the marriage of man and woman. The only thing, this is the only picture that can explain our relationship to Christ. That we're his bride and he's our groom. That there's this intimacy that he, through the cross, through his coming, broke through the, the damage, the, the wall that was placed there by sin. It's beautiful. And so he says, back to Romans chapter 16, verse 25, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God. It's now revealed, this and, and it's nothing new. He says through the prophets. This is, this is information that you, if you study your Bibles, don't fall into the trap of thinking there's like the Old Testament that it should stay up on your shelf collecting dust and that there's no application. No, the Old Testament is awesome. This, this, everything is fulfilled in the New Testament concerning who Christ is. And Paul leans on the Old Testament to say the Old Testament prophets. They're the ones that testify concerning this Messiah, this Christ who would come. This has been made known to all the nations. If we were to go back to Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, earlier in Romans, Paul starts making this case. Hey, what about them that have never heard? How will they hear unless we send them? We have to send people out. You know it may seem like I hate i mean I, and i don 't use the word hate lightly. this is one of the i mean you know it 's not one of the greatest things about marriage, but like it 's far from the greatest thing about marriage but I love that my wife handles like the thank you notes because I just would never do thank you notes like my i they 're hard, but thank you notes mean like a big deal like and so I look at those cards and it 's like, oh man. Why is this right? like I'm like, I'll just send you beef jerky. Personally, I'd rather get beef jerky than a thank you card. and but getting, I'm getting off track here because of beef jerky. It's not even lunchtime here. But those cards are significant and not remember really a card, but because we view our missionaries that are serving overseas that are connected to Valley Baptist Church, we believe strongly. That Christ is for all nations, all people, groups, all tongues here in Valley Center, here in San Diego County, here in California, to the farthest places of the earth. And at Paul's time, it was Spain. And he said, I want to come through there and please take an offering because I want to get to the outermost part of the world to share Christ because they need Jesus. And here in his doxology he brings this has been na- made known to all the nations. To the point here leading to obedience of faith. It's uh it's hard talking about a friend of mine, the guy who led me to the Lord ultimately ended up committing suicide. And it was uh You guys don't need to be my counselors, but I, but I, uh, but it's hard. And, uh, it's weird though, in his committing suicide, there's almost like assurance that he was like, that he was convicted of his sin and he still was with the Lord. But it's such a strange thing that this guy who was a brother to me, um, thinking back to, to, to the mid nineties, when I was in my heyday of the seal teams, a total I was, I was making a mess of life. And my dear friend nagged me over and over and over and over and over. He wouldn't shut up about going to church. Will you just go to church with me? Maybe some of you are here because it's Christmas and, and, and somebody nagged you over and over and over and over and over. You feel like they just won't ever Stop. I told him, I know all about church. I was raised in the Catholic church. I know the routine. I've, I'm have i done with it. I'm not interested. Stop. Leave me alone. He'd say, okay. Well, next day, hey, Gunnar, Wednesday night, there's Bible study, free pizza, surfer. Dude, stop, stop, over. And we would start harassing him and harassing him and harassing him. And then finally, I thought, you know what? i I am an intelligent being. I know how I can get out of it. I'll make a deal. If you promise that you'll never ask me to go to church again, I will go to a Wednesday night Bible study. I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops and a T-shirt. And he said, I don't care. That's how the pastor will be dressed. <laughs> and so I went, and he never asked me again. But see, then I, like, I'm like, I wanted to go back again. And then I went back again. And then the third time I became pastor. No, that's not how it happened. It's a like <laughs> story than that. But I remember kind of going through thinking I'm going to go. And I was still like from what my old understanding, which was not a good understanding, I thought what I was doing, if I would just pray the prayer or do go to church or whatever, like I thought that by going that I was, getting fire insurance that I was being freed from the flames of hell that were awaiting me but then as i went as the bible was taught as god began to 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 basically remove the garbage in my mind about what i thought about him and it took years and is still an ongoing process uh, it's it's it, it's someplace yes it's about making the decision for christ so that you would be his child that you you would no longer have to fear death that hell is no longer a concern if you're in christ but ultimately the goal let me go back to my notes here because it's a leading to obedience of faith He, he yes like we your friends want you to come to accept christ as savior but it doesn't stop there Go back with me to Romans chapter 12, this this hinge point within Romans. He's laid out all of this doctrine, this truth of who we are in Christ. And you know what? Unfortunately, there's there's. The bar has been set so low, it's not just about accepting Christ as your savior. There's so much more. When we consider what Christ did for us. Romans 12, 1, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It could be translated reasonable. It's just reasonable, considering all that God has done for me. And now that I'm in Christ and I'm thankful for what he did, I didn't earn my salvation. I didn't do anything to deserve it. To stay in God's grace doesn't require works. It's not like he got me saved and then now to stay saved i have to earn my salvation no you're saved by grace you walk in grace you live by grace but you know what joy happens when you say lord everything that i have is yours i'm gonna live with my life with open hands to you i'm willing to do whatever you want not because i'm trying to earn favor but because he's awesome Going back to chapter 16, because I didn't want to get ahead of myself. And he says, to the only wise God. See, why would you go like this to Lord? Lord, all I have is yours. All I, my whole life, take it, consecrate it, use me. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Like the next book we're going to go through starting the new year is Ruth. And the thing, that the phrase that's captivated my my mind about Ruth is God of the ordinary. You read the story of Ruth, like I'm like, man, why did I choose this book? I'm like, there's like, it's like boring. Like, there's not really a whole lot of like pomp and flair. But you know what? God is the God of the ordinary. You might think that your life, like, what? How could God use me? God will use you. He desires to use you. What you think is insignificant is very significant. <clears throat> And as we offer our lives, why would we do that? The reasons I used to give, well, I don't want to do that because I like to have fun. And I didn't know how to have fun before I was a Christian. I have more fun today than I ever did back then. And the reason that I can trust God is because he is the only wise God. Wisdom is not just knowledge god's knowledge is infinite but then he knows how to apply that wisdom and as we give him our lives we can trust him because he knows what's best for us good times and bad times you can trust him because he's the only wise god through jesus christ be the glory forever and i found a quote from john calvin that i thought was really good john calvin wrote men are never duly touched and impressed with the conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of god and we see this in paul's life so we've already touched two of these places and i bet you didn't even notice but in first corinthians 15 he talks about as as christ appeared to all of these different people paul speaks of himself as being the least of all the saints like of all christians he says he's the least then later in ephesians he speaks of being the least of all the apostles And then if you go to Timothy, by the end of his life, he says, I'm the the chief of all sinners. It's like, Brother Paul, what's going on with you? You're going the wrong direction. But I think that the longer Paul lived, the longer he walked with God, this phrase. Now to him be the glory forever. He recognized the awesomeness of God. And as God's majesty appeared to Paul. Paul just kept shrinking, kept shrinking, kept shrinking to all he could do is bow down and worship this great, awesome creator that we serve, who came as a child. Paul ends, as we'll end, with amen. We've, we've seen this word a number of times through Romans. And and we use amen too lightly paul says everything i wrote everything that's recorded in these scriptures i stand with i believe i'll give my life for with with my life i agree with this so be it now to him be the glory forever we did it. We did Romans. And I hope that if we get one thing from Romans, is that God is awesome. He's the only one that deserves any glory. And as we enter into this New Year's, we go about our days. You think, oh, I'm just a working office job. I'm just a desk jockey. Or I'm just do this. Or I'm just a housewife. Or I'm just retired. Or I'm just, no. Whatever you do, do for God's glory. God's placed you where you are. He's not done with you. He's gifted you to be used. And I'm excited about Valley Baptist Church heading into this next year. I think this is, you know, Pastor Ben, he's, I'm in awe of God. You know, stand up, Ben. There's people here who don't know who you are. I can't. You're gonna work for me, so I can embarrass you. <laughs> but so here's Ben. Ben just sort of and his wife just sort of appeared in the church. He's a Navy chaplain, and I started going, "Hey man, uh, do you ever want to preach?" since you're, you know, like he's like, "Oh, I'd love to preach." He starts preaching. I'm like, "He can handle the word. I love it." And I remember a couple people kept coming up and go, "Gunner, we want to see him come on as associate pastor." It's like, you guys don't understand how the military works. We have him for a short window. Then he's going to be gone. He's out of here. Then all of a sudden he gets passed over and he says, I'm getting out of the Navy. I don't even know what to, I, I don't just have the baby. I have no idea what God's got in store for us. I'm like, well, I'll pray for you. Drive away. Then the Holy Spirit elbows me, my wife, and says, do you think God could be bringing this guy to to be an associate to help you with our group? How did I think of that? And then... It, 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 and it's just god is at work here to to, to go through and look how god is working at, in each of y'all's lives the english doesn't have second person plural i'm not from the south but y'all all of you god is at work and i get excited when i get around other like pastors and we start talking and i start going through the people and what god's doing even in the difficult stuff to see how god is working and being glorified in the midst of of your trials and tribulations and good times. It's awesome. And I'm excited for what's in store for us. So, Father, I do thank you and praise you for this day, Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, Lord, as we celebrate the baby Jesus. Father, we pray that you would guard our minds from thinking that this is when Jesus came into existence. This is the eternal God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, who was, was and is reigning from heaven, that he humbled himself and he took on flesh, that he entered this world to be a man, 100% man, 100% God. And I have no idea how that fits in my finite brain, but your word makes it clear. And we know that he came, he lived as we lived. He was tempted as we were tempted, but but without sin, he understands our struggles, our trials, our fears. We thank you, Lord, that we can go to you with these so we'd lay down our stuff before you, Father. We ask, Lord, that you would build us up in our faith, that you would continue to establish us. Father, I pray for those who are maybe uncertain with their relationship with Christ. Father, I pray that you would connect the dots, that they would understand the gospel with clarity, that they would see it's not by works, it's a gift. And so, Lord, we thank you for the greatest gift. Lord, I thank you for the greatest gift that you've ever given me, this new life in Christ. I thank you for your grace, your mercy, your long-suffering patience with me, Father. Father, I desire to give you my life, to walk with you, all the days that you give me on this earth. Father, may you have all the glory, all the honor. We love you, and we ask this in Christ's good name. Amen.